Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on, winds the deep left field. It is gone! This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 152. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, we'll discuss some meatballs, some interesting things that happen around baseball, talk about the Indians on their six-game losing streak, comparing that to their last six-game losing streak, talk about the handful of games we have down the stretch, talk about Josh Naylor, who might or might not be terrible, and we'll answer a bunch of your questions. Joining me for all that and more is other Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how are you doing? I'm great, man. I just got some new books, so I've been reading them. It's been very pleasant. Would you like to know what they are? Oh, well, I'll tell you. Well, first of all, I've totally screwed myself because I bought this book called The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Roth, Rothfuss? Yeah, anyway, I'm reading it. And I'm like, I'm like, this is pretty good. And I found out it's part of a trilogy. I was like, oh, cool. So I have more books to read. Turns out, just like every other goddamn fantasy series I start reading, the last book is not finished. And I was like, I thought to myself, oh, great. Because, uh, you know, I read uh, uh, Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, before that, I read the Wheel of Time books, and um, so Robert Jordan, the writer of the Wheel of Time, which ended up being 13 books, I think. He died before finishing them. I'm 90% sure that's going to happen to George R. R. Martin. And well, so he's in the middle of building a castle in his yard yeah, instead right? of writing. And, so. and, well, and writing other books, too. <laughs> right. uh, but, but I'm like, well, surely this Patrick Rothfuss isn't some sort of, you know, uh, fat old dude with a beard. And I looked him up <laughs> on the internet. Now he's not old. So I got that for me. <laughs> but he has that fantasy writer vibe going for him and i'm like if you don't finish this third goddamn book i'm already like i bought it yesterday i'm already halfway through it so that's great and then i bought a book about the history of uh washington dc as well which i have not read yet but you know i'll get to it yeah i'm in the middle of uh a series called the expanse which is also a sci-fi series now yes and then my also... buddy's a huge fan of the, sh- of the show yeah 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 i've never watched the show just because i thought it looked cheap because it was on sci-fi but then and i also don't want to spoil anything but also there's like um there's a hint of life on Venus, apparently, and that's part of, in oh, cool. a weird way, it's part of what happens in the book, and so everybody's, like, spoiling everything, so I'm just trying to avoid things, and I usually don't mention when I'm reading anything, just because there's always going to be one person, you know, like, hey, this is a spoiler, and then I, I just avoid it, but I figure this one, whatever, it's, well, I'll still know. read it even if I'm spoiling, but. It's kind of like I enjoy yeah. this book, where at one point, it's like, hey, everyone dies, I was like, oh, all right, well, that's, <laughs> this is, that's fine. I guess we're done here. It's a theme of the book, <laughs> so I'll roll with it, great, all right, thanks, perfect. Yeah. You know where everyone doesn't die, Mary? Where is that? Tell me. Meatballs. <laughs> the meatball zone, man. Where the meatball zone. Uh, this is, of course, a segment <laughs> where we <laughs> we toss up little uh, tidbits over the plate, meatballs for you to uh, hit. I don't know. It, it doesn't work, but whatever. You know, whatever. I, I want to sound that, it works. That, that was the point before. Um, right. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're serving up meatballs over the plate of little physical tidbits. Uh, mine this week is basically. Uh, I joked when we were talking about which um which meatball we should do that we this this should just be we need to get a sponsorship by baseball savant because basically 100%. all my meatballs are when they have a new feature yeah. i just play with it and find something <laughs> indians related um this time i was going to do something defensive because they've released their um outs above average leaderboards for infielders but then they also released this cool way to search individually by pitchers and by pitch um and mike petriello is one of the guys who helps i, I think he runs uh, baseball savant he also writes a lot of the articles because he's a writer by trade as far as i know um and, and this exact one was uh, mike petriello shared out about sorting by because now you can search by pitchers and by pitch which is just a really easy way to break down really good pitches um, his exact search he used was basically just looking at the lowest woba against for certain pitches and one of them what showed up was zach plezak at number five with his slider 
which we talked about before you wrote about that his um just how good he's been racing towards being an ace uh, which has been really fun to watch and according to to the his woba against it's uh what was it here it was 0.099 which is the fifth best pitch in all of baseball by this one metric which isn't perfect because there's a lot that goes into individual pitches and measuring their effectiveness more than just how people have hit it like there's you use some pitches in certain situations and it's all about using them to um as far as like pitch weights are calculated which is another way they looked at it for um through fan graphs is, is you're looking at the run expectancy that each pitch changes because it doesn't matter like if you the woba against doesn't count everything like it doesn't include just because you threw a fastball the woba doesn't change if they didn't swing at it or something but it's neat to look at First of all, this, which shows that when they're making contact, they're not doing anything with the pitch. And also looking at his weighted um, his weighted slider weighted slider uh, per 100 pitches, which is on Fangraphs, their leaderboards they have where they weight pitches. It's also really good there. It's one of the, it's the second most valuable slider in all of baseball, um, which is incredible, which is what he does with this pitch. And we talked about it before, the two, the biggest reason is just the way he tunnels this thing. Um, you had a GIF in your post, which was really cool, that shows there's almost no up and down movement with a slider it looks exactly like the fastball the last second darts away um so i think i really think this is even with his last rough outing he had plezak is is going to be aligned to be really good i think he's one of the big reasons that they were okay with trading clevenger in this slider which now you can look up very easily on baseball's avant shows why it's just because it's so hard to hit and it looks exactly like another pitch and then goes flying in a random direction which you can't chase it so that's oh, my meatball this random week. direction zach plezak is well we know. We know which direction that way. Zach, please, Zach knows which direction, but if you're batting, you have no idea. <laughs> it's going, it could go straight at you. It might go in the dirt. Um, you just hope to God you can hit it, but usually you can't because Zach, please, Zach's actually really good. Please, Zach's leap has been incredible. I would say it's unprecedented, but literally Shane Bieber's on this, in this rotation. He has gone from incredibly intriguing, like rookie to, you know, um, top 20 pitcher in the league to top two pitcher in the league. Uh, within like 45 starts, not even like a few years, like a stretch of time that is like barely a wink, you know, as far as uh, baseball is concerned. So what's yours, man? Let's talk about Jose Ramirez because, you know what, we're all feeling a little bit bummed lately here in tribe land, I guess. Um, He's been incredible this year. You know, this, I mean, he's on pace to rate-wise have his third best season. Uh, and uh, and the the way the game is going right you know, the short season all that stuff a couple more days like that like he's been having he's gonna it'll be one of his two best seasons in terms of rate stats um, just in the month of uh, of September rather okay, I just hit a there it is uh, just in the month of September he has an 1131 OPS uh, batting 324 425 706 with four home runs in 10 games. Uh, beating the piss out of the ball is how I would put that one. Uh, it's not even his highest OPS by a month, but he's been, that's like top 18, I think, in all of baseball in this stretch of time. Uh, he's been incredible. Uh, they posted those, uh, the, the numbers, uh, the defensive numbers on, on fan graphs. He's the sixth best defensive uh, baseman in baseball by their outs above average. Um, there's so many different cool things. He's on pace for, I mean, if, if we were to stretch his, his wins above replacement over the entire season, we're talking about another eight-win season here. He's, he's everything that we missed last year, once again, and it's truly cool to see. And also, this is something that was really weird. He's having his worst ever season against right-handed pitching since he became a regular in the Indian lineup. Since 2016, he has never even been close to the 739 OPS against right-handed pitching that he has. Which is wild to me because he faces he faces them three times as much as he faces left-handed pitching. I mean, he's killing lefties. Just three forty-one, four thirty-one, eight forty-one is his, his line against lefties, and he's hit more home runs against lefties than he has against righties. Uh, in like once again a third of the time, uh, one hundred forty-eight plate appearances compared to fifty-one, and it's just so strange. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And I think, and I, I mentioned this with a in a Lindor post a little while back. Uh, it could just be honestly. I mean, it's, it's, nothing is broken down into a single thing, but shifts are just getting wild against these guys this year. Like he's being shifted on 89% of the time as a lefty this year. Last year it was 72%. Year before that it was 53%. Uh, before that it was negligible, basically. And well, and also remember too, his thumb apparently it's it's magically right. healed when he bats one way, but the other way he just can't hit. So well, no, but that's, <laughs> uh, that's probably it's, part of it. Yeah, it's healed, uh, and he bats lefty though, right? He 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 doesn't hit against left-handed pitching. 
from what I remember. Maybe I'm misremembering this. I don't know, but like this is, but 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 even within the stretch, because the thumb only got hurt what, a couple weeks ago, and even in those last two weeks of time, he's he's having an incredible stretch again. So I don't know. It's just wild to me that he is just such in the tank against right-handed hitting. Well, you know, well batting as a left-handed hitter, and he's still having this truly tremendous season. I love seeing it. Good Ramirez, Jose Ramirez is my favorite Jose Ramirez. You know, him and his home run pitches and all that stuff. He's walking more than, than he almost ever has. Uh, his strikeout rate is very high, but it's high across the game. Uh, I don't know. It's it's neat that it, even now in this depths of, boy, this really sucks um, to see him kind of return to form. This is the guy that we were hoping for last year, and they needed to be around this year. Um, so, yeah, neat stuff. And it's ridiculous seeing, like, like Terry Pluto wrote um, in his, one of his question and answer things that, he was just basically complaining that the top three paid guys, which are Lindor, Santana, and Ramirez, who was also only making less than $8 million, that yeah, one the of the big problems was them not producing. Like, maybe, okay, maybe Carlos Santana isn't hitting a ton of home runs, but he's an average hitter at least this year. Francisco Lindor's a little above average. That's not what you want. But why would you include Jose Ramirez in that? <laughs> he's the best hitter on the team. He's probably, if there was an all-star game, he'd be an all-star. But he'd be an all-star if there's an all-star game. He's... I mean, if he keeps going for the last couple of weeks, maybe he's one of the better hitters in the AL or in baseball, but you're going to include him in that for some reason. Um, I, I get being upset about a lot of things about the season, but between those three is not at all one of them, especially Jose Ramirez. He's just so damn good when he's when he's on like this and when he's when his bat's flying or when his helmet's flying off, when he's swaggering all over the field, it's great to see him. Well, and, and even with fun. like someone like, you know, I mean, Lindor started horribly, but he. And, you know, a guy like Terry Pluto is a big uh, guy, a bit stuck in the old ways. So if you see a guy hitting 187, but he has a 429 on base percentage, you're not going to, you're going to be distracted by the 187 or whatever. You know? but even Lindor is hitting 316 over the last month, basically. So he's hitting, like, it's just, it started off so poorly for him. And he's finally working. It's, we, we you know, how many times did we say when, when the season started, like, we don't have time for a slow start. This is why we said that because it just it's very terrible when they're when they're starting off slow that you know it's going to tank your season very quickly. So, but yeah, yeah. What? Um, so not even just a slow start tanks your season. How, when you happen to lose six games, which in a sixty game season is ten percent of your entire season, that'll kind of damper things a little bit. Uh, of course, that's what happened for the Indians. They lost three to the Royals and then got swept by the Twins. It's their first six game losing streak since twenty fifteen, and also a very sad coincidence that today. Um, on Monday, three years ago, they won 22 in a row. So we're at a very different spot than the Indians were a few years ago. Um, but actually look back just to see going back in the time machine, which 2015 being five years ago already is terrifying that it's, <laughs> it's so far away. Um, but that's the way it was. But even looking at the Indians back then, they didn't look like that different of a team. Their pitchers during the streak, Corey Kluber, Danny Salazar, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Bauer lost twice. And our big sweaty son, Cody Anderson was one of the losers there. Um, Kluber ended up snapping the streak in his start against the Royals. The Indians won like 12 to 1, um, which was fun. And it was just neat to look back, even just at the relatively recent, or I guess half decade now, which is 2015, to how different but also similar the Indians were. Mike Avila started four games that stretch. He played three different positions. Maybe the most depressing thing, keeping in mind that the 2015 Indians were 81 and 80, no real expectations. They weren't, they had no, I guess they were. Well, okay, there were expectations because of Sports Illustrated a couple years earlier, but there wasn't quite the, they're not where they're supposed to be this year, where it's supposed to be a World Series contending team. But their offense in 2015, from the start of the season to the start of their losing streak, which was July 23rd to 29th, um, they were slashing 253, 24, 387 for a 93 WRC+. plus. The 2020 Indians are slashing 228, 323, 364 with an 86 WRC+. plus. So this offense on a team that's supposed to go to the playoffs and win the World Series, a team that also traded one of their best pitchers, supposedly to hopefully maybe upgrade their offense, is now, I mean, one of the worst offenses I've seen ever. <laughs> it's terrible to watch every day in the day out. I'm sure there's worse. It's worse this season, but it's just miserable to watch them. Um, I am positive the delta between your starting pitching and your offense has never been this great. I'd be willing to put money on that. <laughs> maybe, maybe not, but just how good the pitching staff is compared to how bad this offense is is incredible. And the fact that they're worse than the 2015 Indians last time they lost six games on offense is just something in itself. The fact that they can start Mike Avila's four games, I think Michael Bourne was still on the team at that point. Um, and this team can manage to be worse uh, four years after a World Series run and supposedly in the hunt for the postseason is ridiculous. But here we are. They lost six in a row and it sucks. 
Yeah, I was having a conversation with my father-in-law. I was saying to him that there's no team that bothers me more than the entire AL Central than the, than the Royals. I don't know why. They've just always got to run me the wrong way. I oh, and they the always crush the Indians, too, no matter how bad or good they are. Every single you know time what? it seems it's like just, they're a problem. They're so fr- – like, when they were good, they were frustratingly good because they'd win in such fluke, dumbass, bullshit ways. Um, like they I mean, it's the patented the Royals bullshit. That's why it's called that. Yeah, I, I hated that. And like, <laughs> I love their stadium, but I hate it. Because uh, it just eats power. Like, how many fl- f- warning track fly balls have I seen hit in Coffin Stadium at this point from the Indians? Except off the bat of Carlos Santana, apparently. Um, but then just to get bop- just bopped in the head by the Twins like that too. It's um when you mentioned the losing streak, I was like, that wasn't that one year, was it? And I looked, remember when they won- when they won five games in the month of August back in like 2012. I was like, no way. Okay, it wasn't that bad. Not that bad. It was so bad. Uh, <laughs> 2015 but- was the Jason Kipnis. May season oh, is the one where yeah. he absolutely went off for a month. That was yeah, fun. that was so, really cool. Yeah, back when, back, yeah, and then just yeah, I, and and looking at the whole offense, I mean, they that's a better overall offense. I think just looking at, I mean, Jason Kipnis was there, and it was before he tanked. I'll say Michael Brantley was there. I'll say that offense was it was less top heavy. I mean, yeah, it was. It's young funny Gomes to look at it down. now and think to yourself, well, let's see, Young Gomes, um, Carlos Santana, Jason Kipnis, Lindor. Gio Urshela, Michael Brent, man, like that's the thing. If today's Gio Urshela were on that team, they'd be pretty darn good. Uh, is he good? Is he good still? I didn't even look at his. Stats I think he's like injured. That. Last I saw, but I mean, if okay. you took that team and like instantly transported them to twenty nineteen or twenty twenty, it's still a really good offense. Oh Kipnis yeah, is no, a major exactly. weakness there, but I mean, Brandon I mean, Moss is retired, but you know whatever. So <laughs> other than that, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> that was Jerry Sands. Is that the year Jerry Sands was like a celebrity for a week, or was he fifty games? He played a bunch. Yeah. One hundred and thirty-three plate appearances. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Sands, what a hero! Chris Johnson was on that team for some reason. Boy, these were weird years. I remember watching Zach Walters while I was living in Cleveland. Good times. I saw him get that hit. Oh no way! Interesting. Yeah, Nick Hagedon was a reliever that year. I was a big believer in him until he punched oh, who, a wall. And who he was terrible. Wasn't, man, we all believe in young <laughs> Nick Hagedon. Uh, but yeah, no, that was um, that was shitty, and so was this. And the thing is, like, it's one of those things where they were really bad. So you have to believe that they'll the, the people they faced, like the teams they faced. There was a lot of luck there. They always got no hit, which was really miserable. Um, I think they're better than what they demonstrated over the last six games, but I don't think they're that much better. Which is this, the most. Uh, the most stressful part. Like the, the Jesus, one... Was that the sound of their <laughs> offense running away? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like they scored five runs against the Twins, I think it was, on Sunday. And like you're like, yeah, and then they just gave up seven or whatever. Like, Fuck. <laughs> yeah, it seems like I, I know you can't like say, oh, the, the big games don't count. But it seems like this team, like they'll go a week and a half scoring one and two runs, then score 12, and then they'll score two and three again. So it seems like they're really just as much as their lineup is top heavy. Their results are top heavy too. They have these big games that I, mean, I you can't take them out altogether to look at their their overall um, performance. But also you have to keep in mind that what did they score like fifteen runs over two games, and then they've also scored <laughs> one or two every other week. It's funny too because you bring up you know obviously they had that, that last time they lo- this losing type of losing streak was back in twenty fifteen, and that was the year where they were eighty one and eighty, but by run differential they were eighty four and seventy seven. And I think by their third order winning percentage, they were like a 90 win team because they were doing the exact same thing, right? Like they would scrape by and scrape by when they'd win games. Like, yeah, right after they they lost six straight games, they won 12 to one, then they won three to one, then they won two to one. So like they would lose and lose and lose and have these huge outbursts of offense. You know, they they beat beat the Twins 17 to four after losing to them twice. So, you know, it's like they – are having that season almost again, which I mean, that portends good for 2021, maybe when they go to the World Series again, because uh, it's going to have this very frustrating, stupid type, type of season uh, with weird run differentials. But yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 funny that that's happening all over again. And it's also funny, too. I looked just to get a general idea of the feel of how fans are funny. I went time back and looked like recaps and game threads in the comments. It's the exact same as it is now. <laughs> it's not any. I thought maybe I guess it was rose colored glasses that all oh, were this plucky young team who's going to do this, but everybody was still pissed that the Indians were losing. Yep. No, were, you know, I mean, listen, they were I, only going to be a 500 team. I've been writing about this damn team for like, for like almost a decade <laughs> now, and like I've written the same article over and over and over about different players. <laughs> I realize it as I'm doing it. I try and be creative and find new things, but you, you fall into you know you fall into to, to traps and you and yeah. 
there's only so many ways to play baseball, just like there's only so many ways to complain about baseball, right? Like we have new stats and stuff we can bitch about their, their runs above, you know, runs above average or third order win percentage or whatever, you know, his shitty exit velocity and the launch angle. <laughs> but it's all the same conversation, you know? Like it's that, that's a funny, it's a funny thing to think about. Like we, we were hopeful because the team was on the rise, but we're still going, these idiots can't hit worth a damn. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Chapinetti yeah. can't get she can't sign any bats. I think having more stats is nice and it's good to it's good for a lot of things, but I think it's maybe actually hurt like talking about baseball because there's there's just a right thing now. Like before you had all these very minute measurements, like you don't know. You can look at Carlos Santana now and say he's always he's he's drawing a lot of walks, but he's not hitting the ball hard. That's it. That's basically his whole thing. But like back then, you don't know every little thing that you do now. So there's just more gaps in a conversation to have a conversation than just having a right answer for everything. It's one of the reasons I'm trying to not go to that when everybody's talking about baseball, especially on Twitter. Like if somebody's quote unquote wrong about something, I don't care. Just have a conversation. You don't have to instantly jump and give them all these advanced stats to tell them to shut up that they're wrong. Like, just talk about baseball with him. It's fun. He's, no, and the, I agree. the ball sounded and, loud off the bat. Who cares? And <laughs> Let him think the, it. Like at the end of the day, you know, I mean, I could I could poke holes in any number of players' games, but the fact of the matter is, Lewis Robert is a god. I mean, he has he has the highest swing swing strike percentage swinging strike percentage rate in all of baseball by a comfy margin, and he's also a beast. So you know, I mean, we. we you and I both know we've been writing about baseball for a long time. I can make any player sound like a like a beast. I'm going to do it later this week with Josh Naylor. So there you go. But uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a little bit more of a stretch. <laughs> you'll see. You'll see. <laughs> I found a thing today that I was like, oh shit, here we go. But you know, I mean, and you're right. It's um, it is harder to just like talk about baseball in a way. It, but I, I I feel like that's kind of shortchanging everyone because having more information is good because it gives you more more different things to talk about. Like. Is X or Y thing really all that valuable? You know, Tim Anderson does not have a high exit velocity. He does not have a high launch angle. And he's going to win another batting title and maybe an MVP. Like, there's so much more to this game than just the numbers. And I think that's the fun part is it's giving it. I don't know. I'm optimistic. So I guess it gives a chance to to actually appreciate the players. And this year especially is kind of fun because the numbers are just so thrown out the window because the rate sets we need to normalize over a period of time are, are garbage now. Um, you know, I mean, I wrote an article the other day about uh, uh, Fernando Reyes. I don't know if that's actually true. I I was optimistic that it could be true. <laughs> if guys do hit the ball hard more often, they're going to have a higher batting average on balls in play. Like it's not just because a guy has a high one doesn't mean he's he's going to regress. So you know, it's things like that. You know, I, I think when people misuse stats is when is when the arguments and conversations become a bummer. But if you use them correctly, then it's a fun conversation to have. Oh yeah, and I will die on the hill of um, in-season small sample war that it's bad. That that's one I'll argue about on Twitter. I've because, never understood it. why you felt that way. So <laughs> I don't has know. merit. It's a it's not a specific measurement. It's a very general estimation that's supposed to be. It's purposefully vague because it's supposed to compare like three seasons of a guy in the 2010s to three seasons of some guy in the 1930s. So, so it's it doesn't a account for. Stat. <laughs> it's the one stat for everything you need nothing else <laughs> and over 39 games it's fine to use it Perfect. but like when people post leaderboards of like short stops in somebody's there's like the difference is 0.3 between the first and the last guy and like well this guy's better no he's not they're the same no, player oh, oh that's garbage more. yeah no <laughs> I mean, it, it, a yeah. couple years ago like when uh it was one of the years that, that Reyes or not Reyes that um Jose Ramirez was third in MVP board and he did back-to-back years but there was the one where he, he probably could have won and like it was like, or maybe it was the year that um, Josh Donaldson won MVP. And like, I, I don't, you know, you, you didn't care because he had like a nine point six to Trout's like nine point nine or something like that. And yeah, you know, whatever. We're splitting hairs at that point. Like, it's not, it's not the same as when uh, Miguel Cabrera topped out Mike Trout. That was like a multiple win above replacement difference. But there, there's no, there, there's a negligible difference between half a win above replacement. Yes, I agree with that. that I will agree with. <laughs> yeah, but at the I same think it's... time. If I'm looking at the Indians' current stat, or wins above replacement, it's all bad. <laughs> it's yeah. all bad, except for a few guys. Like if a guy has yeah. two wins over 40 games, I'm like, that's good. Like, that's it, it, I don't have to compare it to anyone. I'm like, no, that, I know that number is good. Shane yeah, Bieber's on, on pace to have a 10 win season, so like you know, it's ridiculous. Yeah, kiss and my it's, ass. It's <laughs> and it's hard just to talk about even like there's when you talk about the Indians now, it's their offense sucks. Okay. <laughs> There's no other way to go with that. There's no uh, nuance to it. There's what do you want? They're terrible and they didn't do anything. It's okay. 
I mean, there's fun things, you know. I mean, obviously, Ramirez, as I was talking about before, uh, Lindor's turning it around, and um, Santana's still walking a ton. That's always fun. Dremio Reyes, real or not, who knows? And I mean, they did attempt. I, I guess Naylor, because the problem with the just the what I have with the trade is is Naylor. I get it that his stats over like 39 games. Like Mike Mike Petriello said today that he was mentioning that it's like a negative 11 WRC plus and showing the Indians that 37 plate appearances is nothing. He could have a good two games and he's back to being a great hitter. But the fact that he's supposed to be the now improvement for the Indians, I mean, Cole Cantrell, maybe two, but he's, he's a pitcher. They don't need that. But Josh Naylor is supposed to be, he's supposed to be the guy that comes in and helps them right away in a 60 game season. Like he was good in two years. I don't care right now. That's they traded Mike Clevenger. They could have waited to trade him and maybe gotten more than, Josh Naylor and a bunch of prospects. Like, I don't care if Josh Naylor's good in two years. He's supposed to be the guy right now. They got Gabriel Arias, who's supposed to be good in a few years. That's fine. They got Owen Miller, who's supposed to be depth in a couple of years. I don't want Josh Miller to be depth right now. I wanted, I would have rather had somebody who was way better than Josh Miller or um, way better than Josh Naylor and also maybe like one prospect who's going to be a lottery ticket in a couple of years. Because, I mean, you traded Mike Clevenger, you traded a couple of years of control. And I get their whole thing is just staying in the playoffs forever. But at a certain point, you kind of want to. A little bit now, or at least not even do a net negative right now. Like you're still going to be in the playoffs with or without Mike Clevenger, but you hurt your chances this year potentially without maybe increasing the odds in the future that much. I guess unless because they know Lindor's gone, they have twenty thousand shortstops. So I'm not going to keep him. <laughs> um, but but they're so they replaced him with another one, unless they have Tyler Freeman or they trade. Arias, they're going to have an issue there down the road. But I don't know. It was just a weird trade altogether. And Josh Naylor coming in now and struggling the way he has, even if he rebounds, I would hope it's this year. But if it's next year or the year after, it's a lot less impactful than if they would have got somebody this year who didn't need this long warm up with the new team. Um, although I guess like Fran Reyes, he struggled last year at some points. And then look at that big man now. But we all I, love I, him. I, he's, I, our, he's our big, yeah. beautiful boy. So, right. Yeah. He is our big, beautiful boy. I, I think that was also different because they. They got Yasiel Puig in that trade. Fran Reyes wasn't the now guy. He just happened to play well enough to play last year, and now he's great this year. They just didn't get the now guy. And Yasiel Puig wasn't good either. But Yeah, to be fair, he was a huge yeah. average hitter. I mean, he was neat, <laughs> but he was also like kind of shitty. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, I see where you're coming from. And, like, it's it's, it's tough. The sample sizes are are hard. But, you know, it's I was talking about, you know, um, I think we were talking about before we started recording uh, with Steve Cohen and how cool it would be to have a rich owner, but really none of those rich owners do anything cool. Yeah, they're all rich um, anyway. Yeah, they're all just, they're, <laughs> all, they're, all, they're all they're all rich for, through. They're all rich by making money, like with like doing like fucking like security swaps. They're not going to do anything cool with their money. They, yeah. they, they would just want to launder it somewhere. So, um, <laughs> well, like, and I was like, oh, we'd rather have a baseball man on the team. And the thing at the end of the day, I mean, they don't have a lot of money, but they make you know, their all their money is tied up in baseball. So by the very sheer statement, the Dolans are a baseball. They are a baseball man, and that that was a baseball man trade. You know, it's making sure you're always cont- contending in a way so the ticket you're selling has value to the fan they can't sell any tickets this year which sucks but i mean it's, as for Naylor, you know i mean it's just like you said it, it sucks because he's still so young and like there's a lot of promise there still like you look at his scouting reports and it's like he's got he's got big boy power he just hits the ball the wrong way i mean i don't know it sucks that he's bad i'll be the honest good lord with is you, gonna but- be a dh in the future not an outfielder <laughs> Oh my god, dude! What a tragedy in the outfield years. <laughs> what is going on with that? Like it's so bad. How is it this bad? Like I, just, I mean, some of it's got to be comfort. He, like you he said, he's a young guy on a new team, and it's it's weird, and there's no right. fans. But but good it lord, man, just chase like, the ball, run a little faster. Like sometimes, like I'm not bad. He just he's kind of like frumpy looking, and like <laughs> hair sticking out everywhere. He's like so uncomfortable. I don't know. What yeah, are we doing? What is going on with him? Like. I mean, their whole outfield is is just bad. Like I know they're bad, we know that, but they they cashed in all their offense for defense in the outfield, and all the offense the defense is bad. Like Donald Shields is terrible in defense; he's not great. Bradley Zimmer's been bad. Oscar Mercado's been, I think, the best defense by. And he's I was not looking even at outs like, replacement. Okay. Yeah, he's not good, but he's been the best, which is not yeah. a great measurement. But he's, like he's good in certain direction. Yeah, that's the fun part is the outs about replacement or whatever outs about ever gives you directional defense, and he's good in certain directions, but like. Not everywhere, you know. He's he's far from what's his name Kiermaier was it when he was at his best. So, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I at this point, there's no fixing it either. So we just have to grit our teeth and get through this. But <laughs> <laughs> so that should be the next 
<laughs> Hashtag now. <laughs> just quit and get through just, it. Just, just grin and bear it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it sucks ass, and like it, it, it's a little bit better than it was at the beginning of the season. But and one would hope that Naylor starts figuring it out because he does still project very well. He's still very young. That's the thing. I mean, he's at this point. I think he's the if if we're assuming he is a starter, right? He is comfortable with the youngest starter on the entire team. In fact, I think he might be the yes, he's the youngest guy on the forty man ro- or at least on the twenty five man roster, um, which is saying something. You know, I mean that, that, that's kind of cool. Uh, we we all saw that as the now thing, but maybe maybe it's not. I, you know, I mean, I was looking at his batting ball profiles, and this is a really stupid thing to say, but a profile is very. I mean, I, I can certainly draw similarities to a young Michael Brantley with it. So I don't know. You know, the Indians did it what, what first with him, and then with um, he's very high contact rate. He just hit so many grounders. Uh, Jose Ramirez was the exact same way when he was young. He had a very high contact rate. He just wasn't hitting the ball in the right direction. So maybe he'll just start hitting the ball in the right direction once he grows up a little bit, and he'll be good again. But I would prefer to not have a first baseman who is only hitting, um, you know, who only hits 20, 20 or 25 home runs. I mean, I'd be ideal if you could hit any at this point. Now, now hear me out, Merritt. Are we, as we're heading down these last few games, are the Indians going to get hot at the right time? Are we doing, if we're going to follow the old, uh, they're due, and they're obviously bad now, unless they're going to lose their next 20 games. Because, <laughs> but before you know it, that's, what is it? Two games against the Cubs, four against the Tigers, three against the White Sox, three in the Pirates, they're done. Um, I mean, I'm joking, but they're, the, the season's almost over. If, if they're going to get hot eventually, they need to do it, like, now. <laughs> Maybe right now. No, right now. Like, <laughs> like right the second. No get out there. Anymore. I mean, they, they're all right. So here's the thing. They're lucking out, right? The Cubs are a tough team. They absolutely, if my memory, I'm not looking at the numbers because I have a bad, and I have a bad memory anyway, but I'm pretty sure they got beat up by the Cubs when they played them last time, didn't they? Yeah, they, they got really, yeah, okay, 7-2 to two and 7-1. to one. Okay, bet, yeah. yeah. So, so they lost 14-3 to three over two games. Uh, and they're facing you, Darvish, and John Lester. Lester is coming off his best start in like three years. <laughs> and Hugh Darvish has been excellent since the middle of last season. Uh, they're throwing Carrasco and Savali at them. Um, I'm not saying they can win those games. I'm not saying they can lose those games. I, if they can pull one of those, oh my god. Because then they have the Tigers, and so that's nice. That's a good team to get hot against. And we all know how good the White Sox are. I mentioned it um, in that Plezak article I wrote. But if you look at their numbers against teams that aren't the Tigers and the Royals and the, you know, the, the bottom feeders of the teams they're facing, they're not very good, and the Indians have really put the kibosh on the on the um, on most of the uh, White Sox good hitters. So they're kind of doing to the White Sox now what they did to the um, the Tigers uh, a, a bunch there earlier in this in this past decade when they just had all they were just stacked with all this good uh, right handed pitching and it just it just shut everyone down. So they I think they can win those games, and they have the Pirates. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, one would hope that the team is not this bad offensively. This is just some sort of nadir. And Jose Ramirez is getting hot. I mentioned it before. He's got an eleven hundred plus OPS uh, in the last you know a couple weeks. Lindor is turning it around. I'm beginning to think Reyes is the real deal. And and the I offense mean, hasn't even been terrible the last couple losses. It's just been they can't get everything going at once now. So maybe if it all converge, <laughs> yeah, it's it's all been bad timing. I mentioned it before, just like in 2015, you know, like it's they're not. They're not sequencing their runs correctly. If they could just figure out how to, I mean, you look at the their, the last three games against the Twins, right? They lost five to seven, and then they lost eight to four. Oh god, and then three to one. I mean, if you could you could sequence all those runs in many different ways and give the Indians two out of three wins there. I mean, I know they got bushwhacked against the Royals eleven to one on September tenth. They kind of you know threw up the white flag there towards the end there, but still, it's. It's a sequencing thing when it comes to runs, timing and getting the runs across the right time. You can't always, you know, make it happen. We, we think clutch exists. It might, it might not. I don't know. That's one of those things we can argue about. Um, but they just need to have things timed better. The pitching needs to be good at the same time as the hitting, and, and the bullpen needs to kind of get its head out of its ass a little bit, I suppose. It's been it's been doing that a little bit more than I... It's, so yeah, it's weird when Brad Hand is consistently your best reliever. Over, I, I guess it's not that weird, but considering where he's been, the fact that he's been the best, I guess, all season now. I mean, hey, you know, it's it's a wild. veteran presence for you. What can you do? I mean, now they have and I do like, back, so there you go. Yeah, I, I do like that um, for as, as many faults as Sandy Alomar seemed to have this year, the fact that he keeps using Karen Check 
in the high leverage situations, knowing that he's the best reliever, I think is really cool. So he's done a really good job with that. I mean, his use of him and Phil Maton has been very ple- uh, pleasant to me personally. As a huge <laughs> Maton head, <laughs> big Maton guy, <laughs> big Maton guy. <laughs> I like him because he kind of looks like a mannequin. And so I he like seeing I like seeing him out there. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. If, if, if his name is almost automaton too, so <laughs> Phil Maton. <laughs> oh, All right, fun. man. What do you say we answer some questions? All right, that sounds good. Every Sunday or Monday, whichever one we decide to record, we ask everybody on Facebook and Twitter for your questions that we can answer. We ask in Discord. On this, we've got quite a few good ones. So we'll start with one. I, I saw people mentioning this. There's actually a fan post on Let's Go Tribe that mentioned the same kind of thing. I think this is a neat idea. Um, hmm. Oh, where was it? I lost it already. Oh, there we go. So at Slang EUG, he's a consistent asker. It's nice to get questions from him. He asked, how much do you think the restriction to access restriction of access to the video replay room is affecting hitters this year? Um, the fan post on Let's Go Tribe, who was, which was by somebody else. I can't remember who it was right now. But he um, his angle was more, is it the video or is everybody just forget how to... Th- does, does the lack of video make them forget how to think on their feet? I don't quite, quite think that's the case. But I also think just in general, it's... Pitchers, I, I think, have benefited so much more from the analytics, the high-speed cameras especially, that they can time all this stuff down so perfectly. The fact that tunneling, they can do it so easily now and measure it so well. I think they've gotten so many, so much more benefits than hitters have. And being able to get the high-def video that quick like hitters have been before some garbage team was hitting garbage cans is, is one small advantage they might be missing. I don't think it's the cause for the Indians being this bad, but I think it's an overall MLB thing that maybe one of the small benefits that batters finally got after all of this is now taken away that might hurt them a little more. I think also the baseball being changed again is probably a big one, but I think not having instant video might be one of those things. It's just a neat thing to think about that. It's just one of the small edges taken away that is ruining the balance. And it just shows how much of a balance it is between keeping pitching and um, hitting fair and balance because of how much one thing tips it one way and one tips the other way. It's a lot like balancing a lot of things that it's just wild, but um yeah how much do you think losing video has affected hitters this year compared to i guess when they've had it previous years i mean i I would say some you know it's like you said it's it's about being able to adjust to uh the pitcher first and second time around especially if it's a new guy you've never seen before and i think that second part is also a big piece of it as well because uh we're seeing so much more use of relievers right we're seeing so much more use of non-fastball pitches this year uh we are once again at an all-time low as far as pitch use is concerned, um, uh, as far as uh, fastball pitch use is concerned, rather. I mean, I just had the, the thing right here. But that's definitely got to be something to do with it. So that not only are they seeing less fastballs than ever, they are seeing – yeah, they're, they're, fastballs are being seen barely half the time, uh, whereas even two years ago it was 55% of the time. Uh, because there's more relievers, obviously, because they, they, they can have more guys on the active roster now. I think it's what, still it's 28, right? 27, 27? I think it's um, 28 now. It'll stay at 28. Yeah, I think, I think it's staying at 28. But yeah, so so there's more there's just more chances to go to relief pitching. So you're not able to see the guys the second time around. But like you said, I mean, like, offense is down a little bit. Uh, strikeout rates are the highest they've been in a long, long time. Uh, probably ever. Uh, let me see. Actually, I actually had this number right here in front of me as well. But yeah, 23.1% is the is strikeout rate, which is the highest since we've been able to measure it. 23.1, yeah. Um but no, I, I definitely think not having the the ability to continue that study, like you mentioned, you know, pitchers are always going to be um, have the advantage because they get to decide what's going on, and the and the entirety of the of the offense of yeah the offense's goal is to react to what's happening. I mean, just think about you know like in football, the hardest position to play is cornerback because you don't know where the the, rele- the receiver is going to go. He does. He is you know he knows exactly where he's going to go. So does the quarterback, and you have to respond to those two things. Like the catcher knows where the what pitch is coming and where it's going to be. The the pitcher knows where he's where he wants to throw it and what it's going to be. You know what happened last time. If you don't have the you know if you don't have the the video to be able to watch for tells or any of this kind of stuff, it it definitely kind of puts you on your back foot. So I definitely think it has something to do with it, though. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, thanks for the question. Next, we'll go at Fudatorius. He wanted to know, are we feeling the absence of Francona, who seemed to have, outside of the end of 2019, uncanny ability to keep the steam out of tailspins? Um, I don't know. I guess that is one of the things. We've always talked about the the soft sciences of managers, and it's more than just writing the right numbers, and it's more about the feel of everything. I, I would think maybe a little bit, as Tito is, it helps to have a, a manager out there keeping everything 
keeping you from mentally spiraling if if that's one thing that's going on um i think it's also a, a chicken and egg thing about is is your locker room good when you're winning or are you winning when your locker room's good it's kind of a hard thing to really know but i would think just in general having a more experienced manager I'm not saying it happened in this case just because Sandy's there and Tito's not, but I think more times than not having an experienced manager who everybody seems to like, like Tito would help with these kind of things. And maybe he would have this time, maybe he wouldn't have, but it's hard to know, but I don't think it's completely impossible to think that Francona could have helped in this situation more than Sandy is, or that we're seeing the effects of it. Maybe. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the, it's hard to say because like the value of a guy like Francona comes in the long season, right? It's keeping guys focused over 162 games. That's not happening. I wouldn't even say they're really tail spinning per se. Losing six games sucks. It sucks even more so than that, than normal because of this. But it's always it's all happened so quickly, right? That like it's hard to really react to it. Like it's just like shit. What the hell? We we just lost six games in a row. Like the Royals ones all felt kind of weird, and the you know the Twins are just really really good, and just bad timing happened. They, you know they're hitting the ball. The pitching just wasn't there that day. And it's hard to be mad like at a young pitcher like Plezak because it's he's only had he's only got a handful of starts under his belt anyway. Um, I don't know. I mean, we were just talking about how the the things, the tangible things that a, that a, that a manager can do. Sandy is doing a great job at. Um, he's definitely a consistent voice. He's been there forever. He's been there longer than Francona, and I think they have the the right kind of veterans and guy type of guys to kind of really steer the ship properly. I think I would hope, at least with the pitching staff concerned, they've really kind of passed that, done a good passing of the torch. I don't know, and having someone like Carrasco around for the whole time has been helpful. I mean, you know, they they really cut the cut the the veteran angle out pretty quickly. Without when those guys are concerned, like now that technically Bieber is like the leader of the staff, you know, and he's only been there for a year and a half, basically two years almost. But I don't know. I would I would say maybe, but I I I don't think it's I don't think the value of the thing is that Francona does really come out in a season like this. I guess. And I also want to get ahead of uh, some tweets here and say that I I am not on the record of saying that I think. Sandy Alomar has been good at all the tangible things because of his pinch you hitting. You just especially. said it. You just no, said I think it. I like that his James Karinchak is good. Oh, the fact right. that he uses him. But and good Lord, he does not know how to use pinch hitters at all. Oh, <laughs> yeah, sure. No one Yeah. No, it, that's it is next level awful how bad that has been. That's more than just <laughs> I'm just saying we I don't think we'd be seeing uh Mike Freeman any less if Terry Frank Cohen were in the dugout. All right. I that's yeah. I don't think that's a him <laughs> thing. I, I I do again, I think he's managing the bullpen, which He's good at that. I, I've had no problems with how he's. I'll be honest. I forgot about pitch hitters. Like it's just. It's, it's <laughs> he's not been, I didn't forget because it's so bad every time, and I hate it. <laughs> he's I, like, I don't know. That's the only thing I think about. It's well, I, I paid attention to ALT, Matt. Who gives a shit about pitch hitting? <laughs> well, I mean, at one point he brought in Mike Freeman against the lefty instead of you know Jordan Luplo, and he brought in. Oh, that was shit. Yeah, sure, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that and was I, he brought in Naquin against a, a fire. Um, a fastball thrower up that was a bad idea he was out in three pitches instead of bringing him in against a sinker baller so i mean like mm, smart that aspect's really bad but yeah he's good at the bullpen that's an important thing and yeah i, I think overall it's probably more important than pitch hitting and he's, he's really good at the bullpen so far so and yeah less, less mike freeman the better and he's it's been a reasonable amount of mike freeman as long as if if they're not going to call up anybody then it's a reasonable amount of mike freeman so far for what they have there you go um yeah another one from foodatorius he said, putting aside this season, why should I feel at all helpful about 2021 when at best they'll have the same lineup and at worst they'll be down Lindor, Santana, and Hernandez? That is a very good, depressing point. Um, what an asshole. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, <laughs> is he wrong, though? I mean, at best no. it's going to be the same lineup. <laughs> it's, oh, damn. Maybe you'll have Nolan. They're not going to sign anybody. Let's not pretend. Oh, let's not true. kid ourselves well, here. I think people are kind of ignoring the fact that Lindor will probably bring back. If we're assuming they're going to trade him, he's probably going to bring back somebody who can play right away. Um, so you got to factor that into your excitement levels, whichever player they get back trading their franchise player for a couple of prospects and then hopefully a major league bat. But it's very true that it's going to be depressing if they don't bring back Santana and they don't bring back Hernandez. I mean, what do you have? Like Yu Chang is your starting shortstop on opening day. Finally. Um, <laughs> the dream has come true for Merritt Rolfing and nobody else. <laughs> I mean, you have that. Who's your first baseman? I guess Josh Naylor, maybe. And then, the outfield gets even worse. Um, uh, of course, whoever you get back from the Lindor trade is going to be somewhere, I would hope. But I don't <laughs> know. I, you Bowers. still have the pitching staff, right? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it's going to be bad unless they dedicate you know some what? money somewhere. I think that Indians fans everywhere need to get better at living in the moment. And when I say <laughs> moment, I don't mean a game, Matt. I mean appreciating 
aesthetically, every single pitch that is thrown by, what is a tremendous pitching staff? That way, we won't think about things like <laughs> the win loss record or the run differential or or dreams or hopes or dreams or hopes. You just appreciate what's happening right in front of you. Keep those blinders on and marching forward. Just turn off the TV every time the the half inning's over. Just watch the go, pitching. Every go look out. It's nice outside. I went outside this weekend. It was great. You know what? It was beautiful out. It was you know almost you could kind of taste a little bit of tang of fall in the air coming through it's very nice but instead of tasting the tang of tears every time you watch yeah. to answer, <laughs> to answer the gentleman's yeah i mean what did i do on saturday instead of watching the indians game quite honestly i watched the hidden fortress by akira kurosawa and you know what it was transcendent and i have to say yeah he's i mean that's a horrible way to put it i'd say he's wrong uh I mean, there's a reason to be hopeful. The pitching staff alone, I mean, is, is worth right. it. Right. I mean, the pitching staff will be there. Ramirez will be there. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, Nolan Jones might be up. Maybe he's, he can hit all right. Uh, Reyes is going to be here for a long time, man. He's really cool. Uh, and we're just going to keep on banging that drum that says, eventually <laughs> one of these outfielders will work out. And it'll be great. And you know who I, else is there? Roberto Perez. And he's awesome to work. Well, you know what? I don't Again. know if I'll be there. I, I still think that my own personal conspiracy theory is that Austin Hedges is the that's heir apparent insane. to Roberto Perez. That's insane. I, I can't believe that, that that's insane. That's, <laughs> and I love Roberto Perez. He's one of my favorite players, despite Matt, the fact that he can't hit. But That's the craziest conspiracy theory <laughs> I've heard in seven months. And guess what? We've heard a lot of them lately, bud. So there you go. <laughs> I still don't know why they're carrying three catchers. So whatever. It's, God, it's maybe, god-awful. Maybe Sandy needs help moving, and catchers are short and stout and good at moving pianos. So I don't know. That's the only thing I could think. But that's all I, I mean. Know, yeah, yeah last year, next year's not going to be cool. Um, but again, maybe Naylor will figure it out a little bit, uh, and uh, the Indians will continue their churn, and they'll win ninety games again. You'll go shit. They won ninety games again, huh? They made Slept the, in the first maybe. round again. That was fun. Well, you know, I mean, hey. They're, they're t- <laughs> Twins put up with for a long time. The Indians are going to do it forever. Yeah, this, at least not the same team over and over. There's a, there's a wonderful uh, Greek legend, the legend of Sisyphus, where he's pushing that thing up the mountain constantly, and he never gets it to the top. This just makes you uh, want things more. It's it's healthy. I swear, it's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so next we'll do at B. Bill uh, Haber. She wants to know: Is MLB working on a 2021 package in the event that we're still dealing with the pandemic? Or are they just going to wing it again? I, obviously, we're both guessing here. We're not insider MLB unless you've been holding out on me. But as as a general guess, do you think the MLB is uh, as how far is their planning here <laughs> compared to what we've seen so far? I'm going to answer your question with a question, Matt. What country does Major League Baseball take place in? This one. It's not Correct. great. Now, let me ask you another question. How would you describe the, the United States as dealing with the pandemic? <laughs> not great. Would you call it winging it? That's what I'd call it. I'd call it Figure it out as we go. I'm just willing to bet, bud. Yep. We'll see. Who knows? Let's find out in March. I mean, yeah. That's all. And MLB is, they're in the, I guess football is sort of in the same position too, is one of the teams that aren't going to be completely disrupted for two years, assuming they can play next year. Because like basketball, they they did it. They did a bubble. They were way smarter than MLB, but also what their season should be starting now, right? (laughs) And they're they're, they're finishing up last season. season, Yeah, they're they're pushing the start of the season to like a... Christmas Day, and then they, so I think I will say when it comes to the NBA, I think they've been wanting to uh, make that change for a long time. Remember the the lockout season when ba- when basketball started again on Christmas Day, and it was a big big event. And yeah. it was really it was great. Like, it, it's a perfect day. It's a day that's been basketball only for a long time, and no one gives a shit about basketball between October and and basically then, right? That's football season. If you're not watching, if you're not watching the NFL, you're watching college football, or you're still able to go outside. You know, it's not cold in half the season, half the place. And like they don't, who gives a shit about ba- eating the baseballs first half of the season, right? So, um, I, th- I think that this is a taking advantage of it, and they they want to just start the season then and just have the basketball season go from December till July, I guess August, something like that, and just you know, there when you does go, the basketball so. season start? I thought it was earlier, uh, isn't it like normally? Or do they not start till October? Normally, right? Yeah, normally, yeah. Oh yeah, it starts uh, la- like usually the last week of October, but you know, like you have. That's oh, what's so, so weird about this. Then, yeah. Like, uh, Premier League soccer just started. And, like, I feel like that just ended, like, three weeks ago. Like, it just ended. Like, they just started the, <laughs> I don't know, like, the the, the, the the transfer window is still open. I'm like, 
going on here? It's I don't yeah, know. well, even MLS they had a tournament where they came back and now they're in a season. I don't. Yeah, now they're in their normal weird. season yeah. again. So I don't know. What's going on. <laughs> but then like Mexican soccer just started their season as normal. They changed the name of it so it's not Apertura anymore. It's Guardian to salute the uh, the first responders. Um, but anyway, back to the question. Yeah, no, they're gonna they're totally gonna pull it out their ass once again. I mean, they've been talking about like for the World Series having a bubble, but fans can come. I think they kind of. Bro, what the hell the, does that the even mean? Of a bubble. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They're they've been not great. And they... I just listen. Just do play the games in Arizona. Just do it in Phoenix. Do a bubble. All the parks are already there. It makes me so mad. They're so stupid. It's the worst run. And this is in a country with the NHL. It is somehow the worst <laughs> run uh, major league sport in America. I can't get over it. Good lord. I keep forgetting Batman. hockey's even going on. And I like hockey, but... I know. No, yeah, I forget it's... about it, too. Apparently, the ratings for the NBA are also terrible. I mean, I watch it, so I don't know. The ratings in my house are decent, but I don't know where else. <laughs> <laughs> the ratings in this one specific spot, they're pretty good. Let's see. What do we finish up with? There's one... It's not, I don't answer. I just want to point out it was funny. At M Mahoney157 asks, Is Delano DeShields merely a four-tool player, Mary? <laughs> Does he maybe not have all five like we originally thought? Interesting point. I never saw him as a five tool player to begin with. I, I love the enthusiasm and, and optimism, though. That's very good. <laughs> so we'll actually finish. Um, thanks for that question. That made me laugh. At S. Brady Artist, he wants to know Nolan Jones, assuming he's up next season, does he play third base and Jose slide over to second base? Or does Ramirez stay at third and Nolan move elsewhere? First base, DH the outfield. Um, I, I guess, I mean, Nolan Jones' biggest thing is his rocket arm. I don't think he's particularly yeah. great at third base, so maybe he could be an outfielder or a DH. I, I think it's a waste to have his arm not somewhere in the field, but um, I think at this point, Jose Ramirez is a third baseman. I can't imagine he wants to move back. I don't think the Indians have too much of a desire to move him back because he's a really good third baseman, and you can find, um, like like we said, they've drafted a million shortstops who could probably move over to second base if they have to. So I think... I don't know. I, I think he's either going to be a DH or an outfielder. I think it's a waste to have him at DH if they have to, but I think it's going to be like an Alex Gordon skipping third base and going straight to the outfield, like Lonnie Chisenhall going from third base to the outfield. So that's that would be my guess, unless he's absolutely terrible out there. But even if he is, you can trade that for, assuming he can hit, you can have him out there. So I amazingly asked this question on the day that we got these directional outs above average uh, stats. The directions that Ramirez is bad at, comparative to his other directions, is to his right and behind him, um, which makes him, you know, ideal for third base because he would have to go forward and to the <laughs> to his right, I guess, to make plays. Um, does that make him a good second baseman? Arguable at best because you really want those those uh, balls shot up in the middle to be fielded and not missed. Um, similar to balls, you know, shallow fly balls. I mean, if, if we're to pull anything from this, I would say it doesn't seem as though he profiles as good as a second baseman. And second of all, at this point, I just, I, it seems weird to keep him moving around. That's him. Right. Yeah. Just leave player. the poor guy alone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, figure it out for. Yeah. All right, Merritt. Um, that's going to do it for us this week. If you're not already, um, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Let's Go Tribe. Of course, Let's Go Tribe.com, where Merritt will post about Josh Naylor. And try mm. to find positive things to say about him. We will try our darnest. We will also have recaps every night. Game threads are talking. We have a Discord. A lot of fun stuff over there. Um, it's always popping. Yeah. Always popping. <laughs> Talk to you next time, man.
most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.